1: The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. I am your host, Brad Gaphart. We're broadcasting not live whatsoever, always pre-recorded from Fort McMurray, Alberta. I'm super tired having worked 17 days in a row, ridiculous schedule of 12 hours overnight shifts but we're still cranking out podcasts because dave drakes refuses to let me sleep dave how's it going
0: pretty good brad yeah you know
1: i gotta wake you up to talk
0: moto man there's never never time to sleep when there's supercross racing
1: absolutely my friend you know what's kind of weird what's that your alarm going off at 4 p.m to wake yourself up for work that is a weird scenario
0: yeah i could never do that
1: no but uh, that's what I am doing, and I will be doing it probably for another five weeks. And afterwards, I can uh, just pretty much afford just about anything at that point. But uh, we'll get yeah. into that a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, this last weekend, there was a race. It was a day race, and, uh, and it was in Foxboro, Massachusetts. Really cool. Um, I-, I like going out to the East Coast. I think those fans are a little bit underserved sometimes. Uh, i guess in the 90s they they got a more than a few nationals thrown their way in some supercrosses but we never really get to get the flavor of of what those fans are like as far as supercross goes and uh and you were there on scene what would you think
0: uh, exactly. I, I, I go that a hundred percent. Like, you know, that's, that's my hometown race, quote unquote, you know, I'm from Connecticut. So, uh, originally grew up like an hour and 10 minutes from that place. So, uh, I can tell you, New England motocross fans are unlike any other fans in the world. They're super diehard. I mean, they've got a language on their own and they, they, they pump out some pretty fast kids. Um, but yeah, like you said, daytime race, um, great atmosphere um besides the fact that the day started literally at like five thirty a.m you know everyone's just trudging to the track and i mean for the west coast guys that's heck what 230 pretty much so um yeah it's a little a little on the tougher side and to be honest with you i mean not a biggest fan of day races but it was just good to be in the newer uh venue and uh just checking out some good racing
1: absolutely and now let, let, let's talk about that because I put out a uh, a a quick little like kind of like a social um, social experiment, if you will, a little post about uh, do people like day races, yay or nay? We got about I got thirty five comments. About thirty three of them were were just a straight up nay, or even a nay with a reason why. And um, honestly, I I, I don't like the day races. It's it's to, to attend them. The entire program is rushed. Uh, it doesn't allow for much uh, as far as, like, if there was rain. I know last year we had uh, uh, Oakland, and they were restricted to, I think, one or two practices, maybe just the two practices, and they were both timed, and they were shorter. Uh, it doesn't allow for a lot of time for for the fans to interact. Like, uh, I guess they still get their, their autograph time. But as far as, uh, like, the whole day as an event, uh, if I'm a fan, i want to get down to the stadium around ten eleven o'clock in the morning, and I don't really plan on leaving until ten o'clock at night so for my 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 investment of whatever my my ticket price is, I'm getting twelve hours of entertainment and fun and and stories to come come away with but uh when when the gate drops at three o'clock i i just don't i don't see the uh uh the mystique is a little bit gone like uh it's a bit kind of like a like i guess Daytime sports is is more predominant in uh, in in the states. I guess we don't we don't get a lot of that in Canada just because we got like hockey is obviously indoors, uh, and uh, we get a lot of night ho- night football games. But um, the day just seems to take a little bit off of the off of the fastball that is Supercross. Like you, you don't get the, the the fireworks, and they still put like, they still do the pyro, and I don't know why. Um, it just doesn't it doesn't really have that that panache that uh supercross normally has and uh, i kind of liken it to when you're at the nightclub and uh your best songs from dj collid and all of your friends are playing and um and uh and then, then all of a sudden they throw the lights on And you really, you look around and no one's nearly as good looking as they were 10 minutes ago. And, uh, and, and the place is a little, is a lot dirtier than you thought it was. And, um, yeah, it's time to leave. I I just, I don't like it. It's, it's the ugly lights and I don't think it should happen. I don't care if it's Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports Network. I, I, like maybe maybe I'm selfish that way. Like, I, um, like we have, we're, we're a fringe sport. We most, we most likely deserve a, a fringe TV spot. Uh, and I don't think a day race is the best way to present ourselves, as far as uh, as people coming on and, and looking at it for the first time. Like is, this is what I see. I see a track where like it's dusty, it's empty seats, the intensity looks a little off. Yeah, this is what I want to start watching.
0: Yeah, it, exactly. It's it, it again takes away some of that mystique and and like when you see the the pyrotechnics and the flashing lights at nighttime, it just makes it look like more of a, of a, of a grand event, more pageantry, more, uh, uh, just, just so much more grand. And, um, yeah, I think you, uh, you, you likened it to this, to the, uh, nightclub was, was spot on. And like you said, it takes away from the fans experience. I mean, like you said, most fans for the regular, uh, regular day, uh, nighttime race, they're rolling in at 10 a.m. Um, uh, by that point, you know, Track walk's pretty much just ending you're not missing anything you run to the pits before your your favorite riders go out for practice and go out and watch them rate um, try to qualify and just you, you can make a full day out of it ten to ten or ten to eleven I mean you have a whole day whereas the daytime race i mean no one's going to show up there at five thirty a m and then you know get, try to try to watch riders qualify at six thirty seven it's just, it's not going to happen. They're going to roll in it, you know, 10 or 11 and pretty much miss all of qualifying and just catch the edge of the pit party. And then boom, we're in the racing and a 12 hour day turns into maybe like a five or a six hour day. So yeah, you kind of get dipped in that regard. And, uh, I, I think just even watching at home, it just, it just doesn't have the same feel, you know? Um, and like you said, for a regular, uh, person who's clicking through the channels, it doesn't present us as well as it could. You know, you see the nighttime races, that dark contrast between the dirt colors and the bike and the night sky and and all that, and uh, it, all that just kind of gets washed out and drowned out when you have a daytime race. So, um, I feel like they're dropping the ball a little bit. I get to see, you know, I, I understand they're trying to mix it up and get us in prime time networks, but um, I don't think that's the best way to go
1: about it. For sure. Like, I, I totally understand this is, this is where, when they can uh, pull... Getting the the Fox Network, I get that, um, but uh, to the detriment of the the fan experience at the track, uh, the racing a little bit, and, and just the overall feel of uh, of one out of the the or one or I think it's three races uh, throughout the year that are uh, daytime races um, that uh, for the. The, the fans and just the, the, for three races out of the year uh, we really kind of lose a little bit of that mystique and it's kind of a bummer to me but uh, that be that as it may the race won on as it did and uh, and there was still some fireworks regardless of it being at night. and I will also add that uh, it may be odd to be watching supercross uh, races and actual heat races and main events at like four o'clock. Eastern time, but I could only imagine people sitting around for lunch uh, over on the West Coast to watch the race. That would have been odd as well.
0: Yeah, that had to be super awkward for them, especially when you start, you know, we have so many races in a row that are nighttime races and you kind of get into that cadence and then boom, you've got this weird, awkward time and... Um, I, I I I bet you money like a, a ton of people over the country are their schedules are just blown up and they weren't able to watch the race and had to, you know DVR it or something or catch it when it aired again and um, yeah it's just I, again I just think they just dropped the ball with just having these daytime races.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I think like it, the idea is to get more viewers, but in reality, they ended up getting like maybe, maybe I guess, I guess does it count if you PVR something that is that like, a view? I suppose I guess it would. But uh, I, 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 think, I hope it is for their sake. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I think, honestly, I think they lose viewership because of it. But uh, the race happened, and I let's let's jump into the two fifties real quick. Um, in in a series where uh, it's become more and more prevalent and obvious to me that uh, Zach Osborne is uh, is the class of the field. The guy's got himself a very healthy lead 15 points right now uh, he looks he looks dominant he looks fast he's rattled off wins uh, he's got three three credited to him for on the season which is more than anybody else and um, he, he's doing pretty much everything a a, cha, a former champion in that class can do and uh, and making his way onto the 450s. Uh, in the next year or so, uh, there's been speculation that he won't be racing the 450 outdoors this year. You're going to defend that 250 title. But um, I was impressed with Zach Osborne. How about you? Oh, for sure. I mean, the guy is just.
0: Focused and determined, and he he looked like the champ that he is. I mean, um, and we even talked about it a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's going to be very difficult to beat for these guys. And the only person that we've seen come close is probably Forkner, and you know, maybe Ferrandis, and you know, they're both kind of out of the series so far. So, um, I, I I I don't know. The guy is just very very solid. He's confident. And he seems to be in a class of his own. I mean, for anybody to try to stick with him at this point, uh, it, it's going to take a lot of aggressive riding and a lot of grit because that guy just will not stop. I mean, we, we can see him crash 10 times in a race, which I'm hoping never happens. Mm. But, I mean, that guy will get back up determined to win every single time and damn near do it. So I think it's going to be almost impossible for anyone to try to try to derail him or or, uh, or catch him off guard. I mean, I think this is... This is definitely his to win. I mean, uh, he's got that huge point lead now, and um, I think, you know, it'll take a disaster for this guy not to wrap this up. Man, it should be a cakewalk, I think.
1: Absolutely. Barring some sort of injury uh, during the uh, week's testing or, or on race day, I, I expect him to, to wrap up this championship uh, as early as uh, as Vegas. I think I don't think he's going to be able to do it uh, before that, obviously, missing, with only one race to go. Um, it's like... Brain fart. I think they were going to race in Salt Lake this weekend. Not the case, but um, yeah, no. It, it's it's like 15 points. Something catastrophic would have to happen for uh, for him to to not be able to get that. And the fact that there's going to be West guys in there taking points away uh, from uh, fr- from the other side of things as well. Like it's just, it seems like uh, all all signs of points is Zach Osborne collecting his uh, Second championship, second championship in as many years, uh, but hats off to uh, to Jordan Smith, who's now put himself in the second place spot in the points, and uh, and, a, and a first time ever podium for Kyle Peters, a guy who was taking track walk in a na- in a knee brace.
0: Yeah, that was uh that was really impressive to see Peters get her on the podium. I mean, um he had a little mishap last weekend in uh Minneapolis and uh yeah, you could tell he was uh he was hurting uh, on at track walk. Uh you know, saw a few guys talking to him, trying to console him a little bit and talk about the injury. But uh I mean to see that guy soldier on for a podium especially at, at foxborough where we saw those gnarly ruts up the jump faces and you know uh, gnarly sand section um just some really really rutted transitions and uh he rode like a champion man the guy really dug deep and uh and put himself in a, in a really good position um it's it's really nice to see that kind of riding and see a, the grit in these guys um in the 250 class you know usually we see rides like that from injured riders in the four fifties, and you know the Timothy guys kind of tend to be a little bit more immature and kind of gas themselves out. But I mean, he rode like a very mature rider and really uh, really makes something happen. So hats off to that guy.
1: For sure, a couple other uh, spots or finishes that stand out to me: John Short with a thirteenth strong ride for him. Um, Anthony Rodriguez with an eighth place, uh, maybe like it's kind of where he's expected to be riding for the team that he's on, but that's not where he's been lately. Uh, so a good ride on eighth, and I think a season best and a career best for Sean Cantrell. The 40, 43 machine gets fifth.
0: Yeah, definitely good, uh, for that for that young kid, man. He's uh, he he shows some flashes of speed for sure. And it's uh it's nice to see him kind of uh get get some get some more solid finishes and you can tell that he's gonna have a, a pretty bright career and I, I I'm curious to see how he does uh outdoors, you know. I think that's more of his forte. So um yeah, hats off to that guy, man.
1: Absolutely. Now um moving into the final uh the final two races of the year, I know that this weekend may be the fan experience for regular fans. Wasn't absolutely uh, where it needed to be. We talked about that with the day race. But uh, if someone was wanting to maximize their race day uh, experience, if they wanted the uh, the collective experience of a supercross race, they'd probably have to call you up and talk to you about uh, exactly that—the the collective experience. Do you think that would be the best way to uh, to maximize your uh, the fun and excitement of a day race? Oh man, I. Uh,
0: hands down, I mean, you know, we we kind of knew that coming in that the day would kind of be abbreviated. So we did our utmost to make sure that we kept these fans immersed, um, and going nonstop throughout the day, which is something that we, uh, we're, we're really passionate about and making sure that everyone walks away with a huge smile on their face with some awesome connections. And there's some really great memories to move forward with. So, uh, we made sure we took care of, uh, a, a lot of fans and, uh, you know, being that AJ Catanzaro was one of our riders and it was his hometown race. We had a lot of interest, a lot of fans kind of huddled around and, and wanting to get a piece of them for the experience so um, I think we managed it very well we made a lot of people happy gave them a few surprises even though they weren't expecting and uh, really made sure that they felt like a part of the team whether that was reviewing video or helping them out with the bike or going over race strategy or just anything to help AJ throughout the day and really feel like you're a member of the team and a, a big part of a of of what makes him successful and a big value adder we made sure that the fans had a taste of that and uh and could continue that even even when the day was you know kind of up so um i think it's it definitely definitely made made their day and um I, I doubt any other fans who were outside of the experience uh that we offer felt one tenth as awesome as our guys did so um yeah, those guys definitely had a had an absolute blast, and it's something that we we make sure happens with every single fan who signs up with us.
1: Well, there you go, and you, and you guys do a phenomenal job. And on top of that, AJ Cottonzero got us got a picture with uh, with Gronk.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was uh, he's throwing that thing around, man. I know he was super excited. So um, the guy just had good vibes all day, man. I mean. Um, you know, the, 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 normal crew around AJ, like we always have a good time and we try to keep things light. And, uh, just, I think between that and just the fans and him being in his hometown race and just feeling good in the bike. I mean, um, yeah, I, I think it really culminated to a good day for him. He Got her in the main, um, got third in the, uh, the LCQ. It's kind of poem for him to get that win, you know, to get a shot on the podium. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's always, there's always next time. And I think, uh, I think this is going to be a, a, a consistent thing with AJ now, which is, you know, trying to figure out the, Bikes it up a little bit and then just getting on the podium every single time so you know i, I want all the tce guys to to crush it to end up on um on, you know the good side of these races so um, yeah we're just going to keep pulling for them
1: absolutely and all of your collective experience riders did make it into the night show which is something that doesn't always happen hats off to the the one they call david pulley everybody made it into the night show that's awesome
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dave was ecstatic. I mean, you know, he's definitely got the potential to be at a night show, uh, you know, at several, several rounds. I think it's just little things to keep grabbing here and there. Um, and Dave actually had a fan set up with him for this weekend. So it kept him pretty busy and uh, he actually really, really had a good time, man. You know, all of our riders are super personable and really, really get a lot out of the experience and, you know, and it helps fund them every single weekend. And um, yeah, his, his fan had a blast, get, got the whole family out and, um, they walked away with some uh, really, really cool swag, and again, some things that they weren't expecting. to experience they got a chance to check out. So uh, it was a good weekend overall.
1: Right on. Well, that, that's great to hear. Um, and uh, it is also, to my understanding, that you've got a little bit of a, a prize giveaway going on right now—a uh, mystery box, if you will.
0: Yes, sir. Yep. So um, a lot of our uh, a lot of our sponsors contributed, and a lot of our riders with sign rider jerseys, products. Uh, promo codes, coupons, swag, you name it. We've got a huge box um, that we're raffling off. So um, what we want to do is just really want to give one lucky fan just the the ultimate prize pack possible. Um, And with that, we're raising, raising some money and some proceeds to be able to help some of these riders on for this summer and for next year even. So the more money we raise, the more privateers we can help, the bigger we can make our program. Um, and it's all just to keep growing the sport and giving back towards towards the industry. So, um, you know, no one's looking to, to hoard this money. We're looking to get it back and really really spread our outreach and in turn just, just help keep the sport healthy and help keep fans engaged, help riders continue to line up and, and give us a good show.
1: There you go, my friend. Well, uh, for all those interested in the collective experience, people who want to uh, get closer to the races than they've ever been before, where do they go?
0: So you can check us out on Instagram, it's at thecollectiveex, or check us out online at thecollectivexp.com. Feel free to send us an email, uh, contact us, DM us. We respond almost immediately every single time, and we love to work with as many people as possible. So, you know, definitely, definitely uh, reach out to us and let us know we can make your race experience something that you've, uh, you've never imagined before.
1: There you go, my friend. Hopefully, a lot of people do contact you about that. I think that it's uh, it's, it's, a super, it's, it's getting more popular all the time, and uh, I, I genuinely think there's no better way as a fan to experience the race by going through your program. Um, we're going to throw a commercial break right back right here on the Big MX Radio Podcast show where we'll be right back with Dave Drakes from the Collective Experience. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly, then we'll be right back to the podcast. These immigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. What's up guys? It's Bruce Cook here with Nitro Circus. We're coming to Kelowna, BC, May 25th for the next level tour, and I'm so stoked to see you there. The most action-packed event on the planet is back, bigger and crazier than ever before, with the largest ramps you've ever seen. Nitro Circus, the global youth entertainment phenomenon returns to North America this year with the epic Next Level Tour. This spectacular brand new production, an all moto adrenaline rush, will have death-defying tricks, jaw-dropping world's firsts, and absurd stunts. It all adds up to a thrilling show simply too big to fit indoors. The Next Level Tour launches mid-May, just in time for summer, and will visit over 10 cities across the continent through June brainchild of Travis Pastrana, global superstar, action sports icon, and Nitro Circus ringleader, the next level tour features the best athletes in action sports taking on the biggest ramps in the world. The Nitro Circus design team has put it all in the line with this show, doubling down on the risk factor. The FMX next level takeoff ramp alone, a towering 15 feet above the show floor, a whopping five feet taller than any ramp toured before, will launch riders more than 60 feet into the sky. The landing ramp also looms large, standing 23 feet in height. The Nitro Circus Next Level Tour will include several athletes, including Bruce Cook, Jared McNeil, Jared Duffy, Blake, Bilko Williams, and many more. For more information, visit nitrocircus.com. Hey guys, it's Fly Racing's Justin Braden, winner of the 2018 Daytona Supercross. You're listening to the Big MX Radio. And we're back. Dave Drakes, a.k.a. Stevie Wonder, still on the phone with me here on the Big <laughs> MX Radio. I don't know why he still talks to me. Uh, but Dave, um, we're, we're still we're talking a little bit about the collective experience. Two races to go. Do you have openings?
0: Uh, we've got a few more openings um, for both Salt Lake and for Vegas. Um, yeah, All you have to do is just hit us up um, again, on Instagram or at our website, the collective and, uh, see how we can make it work for you. But, um, yeah, we're, we're growing. We're getting, uh, we're getting pretty, uh, pretty uh, packed up for Vegas. I think we're almost at max for Vegas, so just a few more spots for that one, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the objective, right? I mean, you want to get this thing as full as possible, get as many fans hooked up, and as many riders supported as possible, so can't complain about that.
1: That's the idea, man. you got to get those people uh, as close as they can to the races. Now, 450 exactly. class... Up there, up, for sure. Now, 450 class, um, was there was some controversy here. <clears throat> First of all, uh, there's there's a guy named Devin Raper in a main event doesn't happen too often hats off to Devin
0: yeah congrats to him
1: absolutely Definitely,
0: uh one of those riders that's on the bubble every weekend of just you know just getting to the main event barely you know barely missing it so long um, it's really nice when you can see a guy who you know is uh, is right there actually make it in and you know it made his night
1: For sure, and then, uh, so your whole shot goes to Christian Craig, who holds holds that lead for about five corners before having a a get-off. Puts himself back to, I think at that point, as far back as 15th, ends up uh, crawling his way back to 11th, but the real story, the entire story of that whole main event, because I think just about everybody else, other than maybe Weston Pike and Justin Barsha, um, were, were for, for lack of better terms, kind of, just, I would say riding around out there, but I didn't see a lot of, um, of extra special rides going on out there, was the battle for the lead, a cat-and-mouse game between Marvin Moosecan and Eli Tomak, which exploded on the last lap. What was your take on that whole uh, scenario fiasco incident? Whatever you want to call it. Um,
0: I, I thought the everything leading up to the huge, uh, huge incident was uh was pretty cool. You know, seeing that whole cat and mouse game with gun kind of pulling away, and you know, oh my god, are they going to navigate the Lappers okay? And then you know, Eli would kind of close the gap, and Marvel would kind of stretch it out. So when things kind of um got a little bit closer and Eli kind of reeled him in and made the pass, you know, we kind of thought it was, you know, a uh, game over, you know, Eli's when he makes the pass, he's usually on a tear and it's really hard to get back around him. Um But yeah, Marvin kept it pretty close. And then, you know, the whole incident where he uh, pretty much slammed into uh into Tomac, if you will. But um, yeah, it was, I, I could see both sides where a lot of people are like, Oh, that's awful. That's dirty, rotting. Moose skin should have never done that. And I also see the side of, you know, Eli, you know, just, taking a, a, a cutting the cutting a line kind of short and, and, um, you know, you, have, you just have to expect that when you're racing for a hundred thousand dollars and very valuable championship yeah. points with, you know, two races to go essentially. Um, you know, I'm leaning more towards you know, just Muskin just needed to do that. You know, um, at the end of the day, this is motocross. You know, this isn't you know tap dancing or hula hooping. You know, where things don't get as physical. I mean, these guys are paid a lot of money to win. That's their job, and by any means necessary. And you know, we're all riders. We all had that feeling when we know the checker flag is coming out soon, and there's a guy in front of us who we really, really want to pass. And uh, you have to imagine that's that's amplified times a million for these guys. And on top of it, it's their livelihood. It's It's how they make their money. And um, yeah, I, I don't think Mark was in the wrong there. I really think that he needed to tip to pull the trigger. Um, I'm sure he wasn't expecting to hit him as hard as he did, but you know, you could, you could kind of see him expecting Eli to go a little bit more wide and not cut in as much. Um, And, you know, you really didn't, he really didn't want to take him out, but he did want to pass him and and, and kind of, you know, shut him out of the way a little bit. So um, yeah, I, I, I think Rubin's racing. I think at this point in the championship, Anything pretty much goes as long as you're not trying to kill the guy and and really really hurt somebody. I think it was a, I think it was, a, it was a fair game.
1: I agree. Um, I think this is blown a little bit out of proportion. I think that uh, Marvin Muscian came in with the intent to make a pass, and uh, t- Eli Tomac turned down um, a, a good amount earlier than what uh what what was expected but you also from marvin muscan's point of view you need to expect eli tomac to protect that inside line um and yeah the bikes two came together probably not to the uh, like probably a little bit more than marvin originally intended but that's what that that's unfortunately that's you get uh, the intention of going into a make a pass and, and at, at, at whatever cost that happens to be it easily could have taken the two the both of them down and neither one of them win based on how it had all worked out um, and as far as the the grip coming off the bike um, like that, that's about as as like it just happenstance it's the way the bike fell you can't tell me that Marvin Muskan came in there and be like yeah I want to smash him and rip his grip off not gonna happen um, but I will say that Marvin Moskin not always known for riding like this or a move like this, um, maybe need to take it into account that maybe he's not very good at those types of moves or being his judgment when coming into those type a move like that would would not be as seasoned as maybe someone like uh, like a Justin Barsha or uh someone else like that or like a Vince Friese, who who maybe is is a little bit more well versed in those uh those tactics so maybe they wouldn't stick their nose in there as deep as as quickly as Marvin did. Uh so maybe that also kind of weighs into things that just the inexperience with those types of moves uh knowing that he's more he's usually a pretty clean rider and I think that's why when he does get uh into situations like that it seems to get more blown out of proportion because it's not expected. Um and and, and he it seems to like kinda of go a little bit worse than what what what's uh the, the intent there. But honestly for me, um the, the pass, like it, it wasn't the cleanest pass in the world, but it wasn't also anywhere as dirty as we've seen in the past. And I think, honestly, one of the passes that would rival it, as far as dirtiness goes, is uh, is one that worked out probably even worse for both riders involved, which is Eli Tomac on Cooper Webb at Daytona, which was a meaningless pass in the heat race where, um, where Tomac uh, not only uh, blatantly took out Cooper Webb, but also took himself out.
0: Exactly. And a lot of people seem to uh, forget that, you know, um, we, we saw, like you said, Eli, just really, really well Cooper. Um, like that, i like, I think that one was almost more dirty and, yeah. and uh, uncalled for shot? than anything. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think it, there was a little bit more emotion in there than actually needing to make the pass, to be honest with you. Whereas from Marvin's perspective, I can see Marvin, he you know, in all honesty, I don't think the guy wants to ride dirty. Yeah, I think he just wants to win a race. I mean, the guy, honestly, what guy who's 120 pounds wants to rough up uh, on a huge, heavy motorcycle and and blasting at people? And like you said, I don't think he has much experience with it. If he was like a you know a bigger guy like a Pikey or like a of you know Freeze or uh, or even uh, Barsha, I, I think you could you could say like, okay, yeah, you know they they when they. Ride a little on the dirtier side, quote unquote, they do it with a little, little bit more finesse, but marvin 's not known for that. you know. I think this is his first him kind of tipping his toe into the into the aggressive routing field just to kind of see like you know uh, what it 's like and kind of being thrown into it almost so um yeah, I, I think it was just uh kind of out of necessity, but um yeah there 's passes like this all the time that really no one bats an eyelash at, you know I think just because it came down to you know last lap two of the guys who were really needing the points, they just kind of blew it out of proportion. And, um, it's just, it's really, really terrible to see the, you know, the comments online and to hear the booze from the stadium about Marvin. And, you know, if the, if the things were turned around, where Eli wrote into Marvin like that, people would, you know, they wouldn't even worry about it. You know, there'd be, it'd be half of this, this much drama around it. So, um, again, I, I see nothing wrong. I think Marvin, Marvin did we had to do and you know he came away with uh, uh more points than he would have if he would have let Eli run away from him which you again you can't you can't let that happen this point at this point in the season especially with Jason being so far ahead I mean we need every point we can get
1: for sure uh, and, and the the championships is, is is not yet totally settled if if this was if if Marvin gives up to two more or three more points um Jason would be that much closer to wrapping up this championship. And, and not to say that it's not completely out of reach, which it is, um, but mathematically Marvin can still in this title race. So um, y- you got a race like that. I will say, really I, I've, I've, I'm looking at the results right now from this race on uh, AMA Supercross.com, and I see something that I probably have never seen before, uh, at least I haven't seen it uh, lately, is um, Christian Craig grabs the whole shot after qualifying 11th and then gets and then records a 19th for his starting position because of his crash, and then he ends up 11th. So, like, as far as a roller coaster ride of, of how, how a day can go, and then just to pretty much end up uh, pretty even keel, uh, Christian Craig with a whole shot and a 19th place start.
0: Yeah, that's, that's he impressive. did some uh, damage control. Yeah, I mean. You know what it's like when you go down, especially in the first lap. It you got to be on rails to cut to cut through the pack. So um, yeah, kudos to him for riding really well, man. That guy is a you know he's a natural talent. I mean, it goes without saying the guy can run a motorcycle. So um, but yeah, in, in this field to be able to pull you know salvage what you could and and do damage control like that, it's 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 pretty impressive. So you know, a year from now we'll, we'll look at the result and really say uh, you know eleventh, oh, not the best for Christian, but. You know, just keeping in mind what he had to go through to get there, man, it's 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 uh, it's pretty amazing.
1: You bet it is, and there's two races to go. There's a lot more racing and uh, some high flying action to happen still yet. We've got Salt Lake, and then Vegas uh, will be the finale. I think that uh, it's gonna be there's gonna be some great racing involved, and you will be at both of those races. Excited to get your kind of your perspective on things. Um, before I let you go, Dave, one last time to kind of let people know where they can uh, check out collective experience, which is, of course, why we have you on the podcast in general, is is because not only are you extremely knowledgeable about the sport, but uh, you've also got a business that brings people closer, and um, I want people to experience that, uh, the collective experience. I want people to take that in, because um, as far as any VIP program in the pits, I don't think anybody does it better.
0: All right. Can't agree with you, more, man. I think we really tear ourselves apart with just what we what we offer fans and it, and it again it goes farther than just the day we're making connections with these fans, connecting them with the people that that they want to. So, I mean, we've got a lot of people that are saying, Hey, I want to be a gear guy or, Hey, I want to do this. Or eventually I want to end up being the mechanic. And a lot of these people are making these connections. in just one day that kind of leads them towards that goal. Where I think other, other similar programs, they just, you know, you get a meet and greet with the, with the, with the rider, with their team. And then boom, that's kind of it, you know, a few pictures, a uh, souvenir bag, and then you're kind of left to defend for yourself. But I mean, we really make sure that these fans feel like they are part of the team and, and they get something that's that's unique to them. So every fan, um, even, if you, even if they send them for the same rider, they they get a unique experience that's all their own. So um, we want to give that out to everybody as much as we can at, at every race. So feel free to talk to us. Uh, check us out on Instagram, at The Collective EX, or hit us up uh, online on our website, at com, and we'll try to make it uh, as memorable and exciting to you as possible.
1: Well, there it is, my friend. I really appreciate you coming on the show. We'll do this again next week. I'm sorry that we missed Minneapolis. Uh, I was in transit and uh, getting on the night shift um, scenario. But, uh, yeah, um, always a pleasure to talk, my friend. Don't hang up just yet. For for podcast sake, we'll cut off right there.